Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Scars have the strange power to remind us that our past is real. Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, we're laying there and we hear this twig break. Okay, give him some context. It's like, though. He takes season and no. is, Okay, Uh-oh. fine, go. Uh oh. So this, this, is, this is fascinating to watch these two. <laughs> <laughs> so a twig breaks and we both kind of just stop. We're like, oh, did you hear that? And then we hear this like snarl kind of like sniffing, snarling, or like kind of deep. And we're like, okay, what is that? And it sounds pretty close, right? And we hear it moving around and then it stops. And we're laying there, we're like, okay, what? Is that a cougar, is that a bear? Like, what is that? So we go, hey bear. And so we're doing, you know, hey bear, do all that thing. And we can hear it moving around. So every, every few minutes we'd hear it move and then we'd kind of settle and then it would move again. And Erica is, terrified. I have never seen her this scared. I had my knife. She was, had this little pocket knife that was maybe, No, it's bigger than that. It was two inches. The blade was two inches. No, it's not. She's it's holding bigger. it against her chest and she's trembling. <laughs> just shaking. I was ready to fight. Just like it's having a Yeah, and um, I I have trouble sleeping. I, I have insomnia, so I take sleeping meds. And of course, I took those bad boys like nine o'clock. I'm ready to go because, you know, it, when we say it's bedtime, it's bedtime. And I'm trying to he stay awake. I'm trying to stay awake. She's like, there's a there's a bear out there. I got my knife and she's shaking. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And I start dozing off as she's hitting me. She's like, are you falling asleep? What are you doing? Wake up. There's a bear out there. Because uh, it didn't leave. Like we said, hey, bear several times and it like kind of disappeared, but then came back. It was, it was probably like 45 minutes at least. Just, yeah, it was and, not going anywhere. And she trembled for so long that she had to go to the bathroom. She I had to so pee. Mad. She shook it out of her. <laughs> and so she's like, oh no, I have to go pee. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. John F.
Entrepreneur Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guests. Joining this week are a couple who claim that they are mediocre at a lot of things, but they never say no to adventure. That probably sounds very familiar to a lot of our listeners. They might be describing any one of us, including me. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Erica and John. Hello. I'm thanks. so excited. Thanks for having us. Oh, thanks for coming on. I, you've, you've got a lot of great experiences and I can't wait to talk to you about them. Hell yeah. Now on your uh, time on the trail, have you had the opportunity to pick up trail names? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, we did. Yes. Yeah. So who, who, I'd love to hear the trail names and the story behind them. Who's, who's going to start oh, here? Go um, I'll go first. So my trail name is Astro and <clears throat> that was given to me by a couple people we met on trail and I took my camera with me and I would stay up and I would take photos and I really like doing uh, nighttime time, time lapses uh, of the Milky Way, different things like that. So I like to shoot stars and um, yeah, I showed him some pictures that I was working on. I think it was at Banner Peak mm-hmm. and yeah, they just said, oh, cool. That's, we'll, we'll call you Astro. And so that's how I got the name. Well, and plus, like, I mean, I know people listening to the podcast can't see it, but he has a whole, I mean, a whole sleeve that's well, the Astro. Fo- <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is they didn't actually know that. I had a long sleeve. I wore a sun shirt the whole time. And so they gave me the name Astro. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And Erica brought it up. She's like, oh, have you seen his sleeve? And they're like, oh, no, we don't know what you're talking about. And so I showed them and it's super fitting. And I have pretty much outer space down my whole arm. Wow. Now, now for those who are just listening to the podcast, hit pause right now, go over to the YouTube version of this <laughs> because Astro is going to hold his arm up really close to the camera here so we can get a real good look. Oh yeah. Look at that. Light Fantastic. How, how long did that take to, to put on your skin? Oh, I started probably like 10, 12 years ago and mm-hmm. I just did multiple sessions. My, I lived in De- uh, Texas for a little bit. So I would fly out there once I moved back to Utah, I'd fly out there, sit for about two days, roughly, you know, eight, 10 hours sessions. Wow. Um, and then every year I just come back and do another session. So, so it took a long some time. time. Yeah. A long time. I don't have the exact number, but it was a long time. Yeah. Last summer, I got a life-size tattoo of myself. It came out really, really nice. You can see it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was painful in a lot of places, but boy, it, body, uh, it, it, it looks good. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well, that's a great story, Astro. And I, I have to commend you on being able to stay up to see, see the stars. I know that my first few trips out in the Sierras, I said, oh, I can't, I can't wait to see the stars. And I, I didn't make it to Hiker Midnight once. It was, <laughs> it was, it was brutal. Oh so. man, it was, it was tough. I, it was cold and I, I definitely thought twice about it. I was asleep for she sure. Was up. <laughs> I went to bed probably 11, but I was able to set up my camera and set the timer and do all that stuff. So I didn't have to stay up too late. Yeah. Photographers out on the trail. I mean, 
really not not just me with the iPhone out there, but real photographers out there that are trying to do good work. They are a different breed. I don't know if you listened to the episode with Josh uh, Endress. Uh, goes by the handle JMT guy. He published a oh, book yeah, called yeah. Uh, It Was Good. He told some of his stories about, you know, the mindset of a photographer and, and having to get up at certain times to get to get to a certain location when the light was just right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole nother level of, uh, of backpacking there. So great for you guys. If we do it again. That's kind of the plan. Yeah. This time around, I was pretty picky and, um, you know, I didn't have all the energy all the time. So I listened to that podcast and yeah, it definitely there was times where I'd wake up and be like, man, I really should go get a picture of this sunrise and these peaks and everything. But I was so comfortable. I was like, maybe next time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> nice. All right. How about you, Erica? Do you have a trail name? I do. He actually gave it to me. Um, my trail name is Streep, like Meryl. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a very dramatic person <laughs> in good and bad ways. Like I die like five times a day and everything's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And so we were packing up camp and I was probably hungry or something and I was being dramatic and he, and he gave me an Academy award and called me. He's like, and the Academy award goes to Meryl Streep and it just kind of stuck. So yeah. Well, Astro, in, in, in addition to being, being a, a night photographer, you are also a brave man. And this kind of gives <laughs> us some insight into your relationship, you know, and she's having a dramatic moment to call her out on that and, and give her oh, yeah. the name Streep. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah. to be fair, I did have snacks in my hand. <laughs> so if anything were to happen, I could just throw them at her and then run the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. Nice. Yeah, but dramatic and good and the classic dramatic way. I think mm-hmm. there were a lot of times where I was just like blown away by things. And I would, you know, like just smack and be like, are you looking at this? Like, do you see how incredible it is out here? Like, I mean, like I, I cried at a Virginia, Lake Virginia. I mm-hmm. was just like, this is so beautiful. And I just, it was amazing. So Streep and it stuck. Well, Streep, that is the appropriate, that is the appropriate <laughs> reaction out there to see those yeah. things and just be like completely dumbfounded and amazed. It is yeah. These are sites that not many people get to see firsthand and to be able to experience them is uh, very, very dramatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So have you guys listened to the podcast before? Oh yeah. We have. Yeah. Okay. okay. Do you have a favorite episode, a, a favorite, a favorite uh, interview subject possible? I feel like everyone says this, but I mean, ginger balls for sure. Oh, he's, he's awesome. Isn't he? Uh, who? Uh, we so joke. Much fun. We weren't even there. And we joke about the quicksand thing. Cause we live in Utah. I'm like quicksand, get out quickly. <laughs> yeah. That was the first one I listened to, but that was, that's what turned me on to it. And yeah, him talking about uh, that through hike, just incredible. Oh, the Hey Duke trail. Holy smokes. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, that's the next, that's the next level of craziness out there. Yeah. I can't even fathom that. He's a badass for sure. Yeah. Now, as our listeners will, will know, as I'm saying it right now, because it's going to be a bonus episode that's going to air before your episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got ginger balls and scrapbook coming on uh, oh, to cool. share their experience. They, they reconnected. Uh, if, if you've listened to the pod before, you'll know that they met each other on the Appalachian trail. It was ginger balls, first long trail, and it was mm-hmm. scrapbooks, third long trail scrapbook was just 21 years old at the time. And they had that classic moment where they looked at each other. And of course, ginger balls had brought everything because uh-huh. he was, he's ex-military. He believes in redundancy and something were, were to fail. He wanted to have two backups for it. 
And so he's carrying this immense pack and scrapbook being this, his third trail. He's got like a, a 12 pound pack. Yeah. They're both, they're both looking at each other, thinking to themselves, Oh, this guy's never going to make it. But uh, <laughs> they became, awesome. uh, they became fast friends and they have just recently hiked the long trail in Vermont. So they're going to, I saw that on Instagram. They're going to come on in a bonus episode and, and share their experiences. And we'll get to hear more of more from ginger balls. He's, he is oh, hilarious. Yeah, so that's awesome. Okay. So I just asked about if you had listened to the podcast, not to elicit any kind of, of uh, praise or feedback, but I want to make sure that you are aware of a regular segment that we have called the pro tip inside of the week it happens towards the end of the, of the episode where I'll turn to you and ask you to share a bit of wisdom, um, some kind of trail truth out there that will make our, our listeners next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Everyone's always surprised. And I said to him, I was like, when we get to the pro tip inside of the week, don't be like, I don't know where we are, doc. You have to know because we listen. That's <laughs> great. All day. So <laughs> <I am ready. laughs> nice. Okay. Um, hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. I'm sure you're familiar with it because you guys have listened to a few episodes. It sounds like. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So guys, what is your must-bring piece of gear? And I'm excited because I get to hear from each of you. We're going to get two must-bring pieces of gear today. Do Oh, you want me to go first yeah. this time? Okay. Oh, I feel so like... I feel like all of the all of our friends and stuff are gonna be like, really again? Like you're talking about this again, and you've talked about it on the podcast before. But I'm gonna say a bidet. Oh, okay. We didn't use toilet paper the entire time we were on the John Muir Trail, and now it's like a staple of every adventure we go on. It's when you're out there being hiker trash in the mountains for a weekend or a week or however long. Like it's really nice to feel clean, even though you're not getting a shower. So I love the, it's Kulo Clean. It's like a little tiny thing you pop on a water bottle, like a smart water bottle. Okay. And I actually, I'm cheating because I'm going to add another item that is a must with the bidet. Yeah. Shush. <laughs> and that's- um, Astro, Astro's protesting already. She's, she's going across, she's crossing the line here. She's adding more than one. You don't actually get one. You don't get to bring anything because I'm doing two. <laughs> but maybe I would have mentioned it. No, you wouldn't have. I'm going to say- I, I think having a, like a pea cloth or something like that. I use, you were going to, you were going to say that you've never used it. Um, I would say, so Kula cloth. Astro, 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 do you use a pea cloth? No, no. no. I'm going to let her finish. Okay. But I was, I'm still going to say what I was going to say. Yeah. You don't go, don't go all Kanye West on, on Taylor Swift there. (laughs) Let her, let her finish. And then you, you can have your turn. But yeah, so. A lot of people have asked, because we post tips and stuff like that, and we we talk about the bidet all the time. Everyone's like, well, won't you be all like wet and uncomfortable hiking after using that? And I, um, as a woman, I have um, a pea cloth that I've used for a while, and I started using that with the bidet, and it's like a match made in heaven. It's just like, it's so awesome, and 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend. So Kulo clean bidet and a Kula cloth P-rag. Okay. So Good combo. Must haves. And my, honestly, my concern is not, Hey, am I going to be wet the, you know, in the next hour while I'm hiking it? My, my concern with a bidet, 
I just can't wrap my mind around it is my aim. How, how, how long did it take you to perfect your aim with a bidet? I was fine. I didn't yeah. have any problems. Like it just worked for me. It okay. not, not for John, so, not for Astro. So I would suggest if you're going to use a bidet practice in your backyard, <laughs> In your backyard. Yes, uh, not your I front mean, yard. Don't practice in your yes, front yard. I have backyard. To be very specific about that because if someone drives by, it's going to look really weird. Um, so it was my first time using a bidet, and it was one of those emergency situations. And so I was running to find a, a good place, and the best spot I was on this slant of a hill and trying to maneuver everything that is involved. <laughs> It was just, it was a mess. I was spraying everywhere. My pants got wet. <laughs> and I was like, is, is, am I going to have to do this every time? And so I think if I would have slowed down and just, you know, took my time, but that was an option. Anyways, the aiming part was kind of a, a mess um, in two different ways. But see, that is my fear. That is my fear that I, I'll be, I'll be back there getting it all over the place. And, and at, when it's all said and done, I'll, I'll be no better off. Just practice, practice, yeah. practice. Okay. Yes. Please practice. Cause it is, <laughs> it's yeah, it's bad, it okay. can be bad, but it's good. All right. Well, that, that's great. Uh, Streep. I appreciate the, the bidet and the, the pea cloth. Good combination. Astra, what do you have for us? And you know what? She took two. If you wanted to do two, you can also do two. We'll, we'll give you that. Five. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I was going to mention to bring a rag to go with the bidet because it is a little uncomfortable once you're done. Um, just to make it a little bit more comfortable, bring the rag. Um, I would say my Columbia Sun shirt. I brought two shirts on the JMT and Basically, that's all I wore was the long sleeve sun shirt. I didn't even bring out the other one unless I was doing laundry. Um, that was a lifesaver, super comfortable, breathable, uh, protected me from the sun. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've done then, a few. I've done a few hikes uh, where I've I've gone with the old style hiking shirts. You know, the uh, the long sleeve, uh, button up, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. I'm like, I I just don't look cool in those. Don't look yeah. cool in those. And so Maybe this past look cool on the trail. I know, I know, but still, <laughs> still. But this past summer, when I hiked with my cousin Bindi and her mm -hmm. fiance, now husband Yahtzee, we, you know, he was wearing a sun hoodie, so a sun shirt, like you're yeah. like you're describing, long sleeve, uh, lightweight, thin uh, sun shirt. And I, I, we saw probably I don't know a dozen, two dozen other people wearing wearing these sun sun hoodies, and I said, "Oh, I've got to get one. So I get one of those." And so I got one, and that's what I wore on the JMT this summer, and yeah. uh, it's fantastic. I love it. That's what I have. I have a sun hoodie, and I ten out of ten. It's amazing. Yeah, I it's, would probably... it's tough. It's tough to make this guy look cool, but it it, it did you know it did, <laughs> it did a little bit for me, so that's good. I would probably prefer the the sun hoodie. Um, she yeah, she had one, and there was days where I was jealous for sure. You the hood up. Up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the sun, sun shirt did great. I had, um, I call them penny hand holders or whatever, where you slide your thumb through mm -hmm. over the top of your hand. Right. So it came with that so I could protect the top of my hands. Uh, the other item probably would be my camera. Uh, as a photographer, I, I don't really go on hikes or go anywhere without it. Mm -hmm. And specifically I use, uh, it's called a capture clip by Peak Design. Mm 
And that is what I use to clip the camera to my chest or my belt so I can carry it hands-free. And if I need to get to it, I can pull it off, take a few shots, put it back on and I can lock it. So then that way it's safe. And then a bonus for that is you can- Wait, this is like five things? Oh, it's the you, same thing. It's okay. the same thing. <laughs> you can attach a carabiner to the camera. So if you did forget to lock the camera and it slides off the clip, it's still gonna catch with the carabiner, but you still have the freedom to move it around. That could have been a pro tip. As I was saying that, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> nice, what kind of camera? It's a Nikon 7Z. It's a mirrorless camera. Um, and then I brought one lens with me, which was really hard to choose, but I brought my 24 to 70 2.8. Okay. Now that quick release, I imagine is very helpful when you've got a moose charging you and you want to get a quick picture of it before you start your retreat running zigzag <laughs> to avoid it. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, good. Good. You don't have to be like, pause moose. Will you stop charging me for a second? I need to get my camera Just out. Hold that pose. <laughs> The picture is is the most important thing here. I got I got to get the shot, or no one's gonna believe me. <laughs> Not gonna believe me. Yeah. Right, right. Hey, let's let's talk a little bit more more about gear here. Uh, I've got a little segment called the hiking pull, and so this is where I kind of pull you guys on uh, a, a few different items. See 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 what your your kit consists of. So our first item here is boots or trail runners. Trail runners. Trail runners. Trail runners. Specific brand. I wore a uh, Hoka Speed Goat on the mm-hmm. JMT. Um, it was my second pair I owned, and I would trail run in those. Super comfortable. Yeah, I've heard great things about those. Super grippy. That I don't know if it was um, – I can't remember what the phrase is, but I saw that shoe on more people on the JMT than anything. I probably saw like 20 people, and we'd all get really excited when we'd see – We'd see each other, look down, and we all yell, speed go. It was like a club. It, was, it felt like a club. I took pictures with people. It was like, it was, it was really weird. But it was super <laughs> awesome. So I have, I have, I don't have Hoka trail runners, but I do have Hoka 1-1 Mach 4s that I bought mm-hmm. for uh, my, the marathon I just ran. And, and then somebody reached out to me the other day and, and said, hey, you haven't talked about how you did in the marathon. So I'm going to take a little side trip here and let everybody know I got these Hoka 1-1 Mach 4s. I bought them on a Saturday before a Sunday long run of 17 miles. And I was considering, Hey, do I, do I, the first time I wear these, do I wear them on this 17 mile run or do I go with my, you know, ragtag falling apart uh, shoes that my feet were really starting to hurt because they were just, there was nothing left in them. And I thought, well, let's go with the Hoka one, one. So I ran, I ran in them for the first time, 17 miles, and they were fantastic. No, no problems whatsoever. And they helped me in the marathon as well. And I, I, uh, I had run three previous marathons and I had not broken the five hour barrier. And so that was my goal was to, to do a sub five marathon ran in San Diego. And I came across the finish line at four fifty eight. So you can check Hell that yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. You're brave, man. That's brand new shoes going that far. Yeah. It that's took a awesome chance. That they held up like that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yep. So can't can't say enough good things about Hoka. Mm. I did not wear Hoka's. I wore Merrill. Um, mm-hmm. Flight, Flight. I'm pretty sure they're called. And they did great. I loved them. I would like to. They were my first pair of trail runners that I've used. I typically, I used to wear hiking boots. Like on my first through, I wore hiking boots, and I've always just had boots and. 
everyone that I talk to and everyone, you know, that I know that does long trails is like, no, you got to switch it up. Try, try trail runners. And so I did, and I won't ever go back. I, I definitely, I mean, I think coming down Whitney portal, I, my ankles were like, why aren't we in boots? <laughs> but other than that, I was, I was very pleased. Yeah. Can we talk about that just for a second? You think that you are, you are done the last 10 miles <laughs> down from Whitney is, you know, it's all downhill and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be smooth sailing. This is going to be a piece of cake. That trail from, from trail crest. And well, even once you get down past, I'll give you, even once you get past the 99 switchbacks, it's all that it is terrible. It is terrible trail. That is my least favorite part. It's not part of the John Muir trail, but that's my least right. favorite part of getting back to civilization is that I hike back down to Whitney portal. It's just brutal. Vowed to never. I literally at one point I'm dramatic. Remember I, at one point I laid down and I said, I'm going to die. I can't do this. Like we're just going to have to camp here. We were next to like a little stream and I just like face planted into the grass. I was like, I can't, everything hurts. Like, I mean, we had just summited Whitney. We're running off of like a few hours of sleep because we did a sunrise. Mm -hmm. It was just like, no, I will never do that. I don't know how people go up and down it in the same day. Yeah, that's got to be how tough. How do people, it is like, no joke. If you've done that, all the points to you because that's so impressive. Mm -hmm. It is not, it is not an easy trail. Yeah. My problem with that trail is that there is no flat foothold yeah. anywhere. You are yeah. always stepping around rocks, cracks, crevices, roots. There's not just a, a, a clean, simple dirt track in front of you. It, it's, you have to watch where every single footfall mm -hmm. goes. Yeah. I had no idea it was that bad. I mean, when we were on top of Whitney and we're getting ready to go down, you know, I'm looking and seeing, okay, we have this, this many miles left. We have this much time. I'm like, oh, cool. This will be a breeze. Like we just did the JMT. And the first hour, you know, going down, hitting the switchbacks and we finished the switchbacks and then we're like, okay, it should get better. And it really got worse. <laughs> and, and then we're really just, you know, wondering, okay, do we really want to finish this today? And the only thing that motivated us was getting Ooh. food at the end, knowing that there was, you know, cheeseburgers waiting for the us. burger at Whitney portal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a punch in the throat mm. to go down. <laughs> it's a like, good way to say it. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Hey, back to the hiking pole tent or tarp tent 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 one person for each of you or two person tent we'd share a two person two person two person I'd be tent. interested to try uh tarp tarp yeah me too but yeah we did we did tent. yeah i've done i've done a tarp a few times uh in my quest to go ultra light i've, I've experimented yeah. and uh there I, I went down the rabbit hole on youtube uh watching different videos of different tarp pitches and there's a, a lot of ways you can set up a tarp depending on your your camp situation and the and the weather conditions. So it's interesting. That's so fascinating to yeah. me to, to have that many options with just a tarp and you know. I don't. Control. You're scared of spiders, though. I feel like you would not like the tarp life. I, I am terrified of spiders. That is true. Well, you tried a bivy. I I did do a bivy on okay. uh, and it was rough. It was my I was I was like. I don't even know what I was thinking. It was my first, I did the Uinta Highline Trail and I took a bivy and I was by myself. It was my first time backpacking by myself. It was my first time doing like a through basically seven days, brought a bivy, learned real quick. 
that I don't want to use a bivy. <laughs> yeah, it could be a little constricting, right? And yeah. if you, you know, I, I had a bivy out on the uh, on the drumming trail this summer, mm-hmm. and I, I've since vowed to not do a bivy anymore. Yeah, I'd rather carry the extra eight, 12, 10 ounces, whatever it is to carry a tent. Oh, for uh, sure. be- because in, in, in bad weather, especially, I mean, bad weather, you could sit in your tent and, you know, get by and pass the time for a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, you never, you want to lay down in a bivy in, in bad weather at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon Yeah. when you finally hit camp and it's just, it wasn't appealing at all. So. Yeah. Learned the hard way, but I did yeah. it. So. Okay. We can check that off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sleeping bag or quilt? Quilt. I have a sleeping bag, but watching her on the JMT and how comfortable she was, like, I'm, I'm going to switch to a quilt. Like, yeah. I got jealous every night we went to bed and I'm just in this mummy and I can't move. And she's just rolling around like, oh, this is so comfortable. Oh, I'm going to put my leg out. This is nice. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I was really jealous. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Quilt is the way to go, I think. Yeah. Okay. And how about stove or cold soak? Well, we stove. I, yeah, stove. I don't, I don't, I don't trust anyone that's cold soaking and saying <laughs> they like it or that anything good about it. I just can't imagine doing that. Astro, you and me, we're going to get along just fine <laughs> because I've had guests on. I've had a number of guests who have just sung the, the praises of cold soaking. And so I, I gave it a shot. I gave it a shot. And after day three, I'm like, oh, I, I can't do this anymore. This is it's Maybe not fun. It's not fun to eat. Yeah. Uh, but like a warm meal when you're in the mountains and it's cold out at the end of a long day. So in the desert, I might be down to cold soak something like if it's hot. Yeah, I could do like once or twice. Maybe I'm in a hurry and just got to make up some time and like, you know, rough it. But to like know that that's all you're going to do, I just just pack up and go home. I'm incredibly (laughs) motivated by food, so not willing to sacrifice it. That is so dramatic, Streep. I can't believe it. (laughs) I would probably die if I cold soaked. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Hey guys, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. I'd love to hear about your background, kind of where you guys grew up, um, any sports or hobbies that you were involved in as a kid, how you got involved in, in hiking and how you guys met. Hmm. Cool. We can do that. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. You start. Oh, share, start. share your, share your origin story with us. Okay. So I was born in Colombia, South America, and I moved to the States when I was three and I lived in Idaho, but eventually ended up in a small town in Utah named Roosevelt. Uh, it's about two and a half hours Southeast of Salt Lake City. Uh, that's where I went to high school, graduated all that. Um, growing up, my family, we did a lot of camping and fishing and stuff like that. Um, my dad was really big into fishing his, we spent a lot of time with his his parents fishing, doing stuff like that. And then on my mom's side, they were really big on camping. And every summer we'd go up to Idaho uh, to a place called McCall and we would camp. Um, and yeah, so I, I pretty much grew up my whole life in the outdoors. Um, and then through high school, I played sports, I played basketball, played football. Um, I spent most of my time skateboarding, skateboarded through my 
teenage years into my 20s. Um, I do a little bit here and there, but not as much. I I find that I don't repair or get, <laughs> if I if I take a fall, I'm down for a while, um, getting old. But um, yeah. Um, well, Utah is is a great place to grow up if you are interested in the outdoors. I mean, talk about trails and just the the setting out there is just amazing. Yeah. Well, in Roosevelt, where I grew up, uh, we were about an hour drive from the Uintas. And so we'd spend a lot of time in the Uintas. Um, and then we were close to Flaming Gorge. Anyone that's familiar with that? Uh, it's a big reservoir up there. It's like uh, a mini Lake Powell. Yeah. Kind of. oh, uh, nice. It's more like Tahoe, I would say, but on a smaller scale. It's not blue like Tahoe, though. It's a big lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a dam. It goes into the... Uh, I think Green River, can't remember. Um, but we spent a lot of time up there. Then um, how'd you get into all this stuff? So from my 20s to my 30s, I didn't spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, I spent most of my time actually drinking and uh, partying and, and doing all that stuff. And so I kind of lost touch with the outdoors. Um, and then I didn't start getting back into the outdoors until I was about 30 when I got sober and actually started climbing just shortly after I got sober. That was kind of like my my distraction from everything else that was going on. Mm -hmm. And I would spend four or five days a week um, just climbing. And then eventually that got me more outside because then I started climbing outside started trail running, I started hiking more, started backpacking, camping. And so that really just kind of pushed me more into that lifestyle. And I found that that was more my identity after my, you know, after I turned 30 and, and outdoors was kind of my life. And um, yeah. And then, how old were we? That was probably, what was it, five years ago we met? Um, yeah. Five years, we met climbing outside. Okay. Um, she was climbing next to me. We we're actually part of a uh, group me chat. So when I first started climbing, I had a friend that kind of took me under his wing and he was my mentor, showed, uh, taught me everything about climbing. And through that, uh, I met some other climbers and, and we're part of this group me chat. So you would send out a message uh, when you wanted to climb and then we'd have 30 people on that group and someone would respond like, yeah, I'm available, or I can do this or that. And turns out, Erica was part of that group as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so one time we actually, I sent out a message to go climb and she responded and she's like, oh yeah, I can do this, this day. And so we made plans to go climb. And then blew you off. Uh, she blew me off. <laughs> <laughs> she, something came up, she couldn't go climb. Uh, I was in college, so I had a lot on my Yeah, plate. so it, it didn't work out. But fast forward, uh, maybe a year later, I'm climbing at a local crag, and it was October 29th, really late in the season for a outdoor, weird time to be out. Yeah, for climbing. outdoor climbing, especially in Utah in October, usually it's way too cold. There's snow, um, but anyway, so I'm climbing. We're doing like a little barbecue with some friends, and she and her friend walk up, and they start climbing next to us, and her friend um says her name and I recognize it 
I'm like, oh, is that Erica Yeager? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my full name to all of them. Uh-oh, everybody knows uh -oh. now. Uh-oh. I'll have and, to bleep uh, that out. I'll bleep that out. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. <laughs> um, and she came down and I introduced myself. I was like, hey, I think we know some of the same people. And I said, you know, who we knew. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm part of this group. Um, and I was like, you're such a good friend. And then, uh, yeah, immediately put me in the friend zone, which is fine. Oh, I was going to ask. I was going to ask if it was love at first Boulder. No, uh, definitely. I I mean, I love you so much now. It wasn't. No. Well, we were in different places in our lives and we were sure. we were just really good friends. Mm -hmm. Not, well, that's what I mean, that's, you don't that's have what to sound so sure about it. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, she was no, quick no, about no. that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get the wrong idea here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how we met. And then okay. we made plans to climb, didn't work out. Anyways, fast forward six more months. I reach out again. We go on a hike. She likes to say, I thought it was a date. He did think it was a date. I thought it was just two people getting together, enjoying Lies. the outdoors. That's, that's how, I mean, I, I remember even sending that text like, hey, it's just two people enjoying the outdoors. <laughs> Like, trying, cool. trying to take the uh, pressure off the situation right, yeah. uh so we just became friends and we started climbing a lot mm -hmm. together hiking just doing a lot of outdoor stuff and um and then fast forward a few more months and she fell in love with me and um the rest is history here yeah. we are five years later what's not to love right <laughs> i know right <laughs> incredible <laughs> Hey, Astro, I've, I've got some questions and some observations, if you don't okay. mind. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you talked about identity, finding your identity, and that you spent a lot of your 20s kind of uh, identifying with, with alcohol, right? And, yeah. and then the outdoor experience and climbing became your new identity. Um, I think that's, that's, that's a, a, a fantastic way to look at things and, and being able to uh, transition from maybe someone you, di you didn't want to be to someone you wanted to be. And using the the outdoors and 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 bonding your identity to the outdoors that just uh, strikes me as as just very powerful. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I was kind of I don't want to say forced in that direction, but uh, I I got a I got a DUI when I was thirty, and it was a pretty serious wreck. Um, I was I was driving home from a party. It was four in the morning. I passed out fell asleep at the wheel and I was two blocks from my house and there's this roundabout and I, I drive a, a Fiat. So it's a really small car. And I hit this roundabout and it launched me into this yard and I was just stuck. And obviously police showed up, everything. And, uh, you know, they, they gave me a DUI. They actually let me go home. They let me call some friends cause I was so close and I went home and I woke up the next morning and first of all, I thought it was all a dream. So I went into the bathroom and I, I looked in the mirror and I had a goose egg because when I hit the roundabout, my head hit the window, bounced off. And that's when I came to and I was, you know, in the air and next thing in the yard. Mm -hmm. And uh, so reality sunk in right then and there. And I had to make a choice on what kind of life I wanted to live. You know, I sat there and I was, you know, this didn't all happen instantaneously, but I, I had a lot of decisions to make it. You know, I knew what direction my life was going in. And I knew that that wasn't the direction I wanted to go. In. And I thought about, okay, what direction do I want my life to go in? 
And so I had to make this, the decision to leave all that behind and stop drinking and say, okay, this isn't going to get me what I want. And so it put me on this new path, which brought me a lot closer to the outdoors and everything that I love now. And, and then it helped me find myself more and learn more about myself as far as, you know, what alcohol and alcoholism was doing to me and who I was becoming and um, not being, being able to really be me. So I was able to use the outdoors and all the stuff that I, I love doing to be able to like bring the best of myself out. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a powerful experience. It definitely was one of the hardest things I had to overcome because anyone that's had a DUI knows that they don't make it easy. They take away a lot of things from you. I didn't have, you know, I lost my car. It was, it was wrecked. I couldn't even drive it, but I didn't have a license. Um, and I mentioned before I'd, I'd go to uh, the climbing gym. I, would, I, I sold my laptop to get a bike so I could ride to the train station. So I could take the train so I could go climb and then take the train back, ride my bike home, you know, and I was doing that four or five days a week and just really focusing on that. And um, I'm super grateful that I made that decision. Okay. And were you an alcoholic? Do you consider yourself an alcoholic? A hundred percent. Yeah. I wasn't a person that would go out and have a beer with dinner. Like Mm -hmm. I I typically wouldn't even drink beer. I would drink straight liquor. Um, I would always have a bottle of crown. That was my drink. I would uh, just drink. I, I would say 90% of the times that I drank, I would black out. Mm. And um, I, I always thought I was a fun person to be around, you know, but I don't remember a lot of the times because I'd black out and I'd get stories about, you know, sometimes I was fun and really cool. And sometimes I was not the best person. And so I just, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I was an alcoholic for sure. And so I've been sober um, going on eight years. So I was 30 when I stopped drinking and that, was, and when I got my DUI, that was the last time I drank. Like I had to just make that decision right then and there and know that I, I could not ever step back into that situation. Um, yeah. And so I, I, eight years going to be eight years, February 8th. And uh, like I said, it's one of the best decisions I've made. Oh, congratulations. That's uh, that's impressive. Eight years. Um. I know that uh, the outdoors has, we've talked about how, um, what a transformational power it has, what a healing power it has. And it sounds like it, it has definitely helped you in your situation. And I've also, we've also talked on the podcast about how addictive personalities uh, really do well in the out- outdoor world. I mean, just planning and, uh, you know, obsessing and going down the rabbit hole. I mean, it's, it's a very good outlet for addictive personalities. Yes. I've been down plenty of rabbit holes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a healthy thing to channel your energy into. I mean, That's everything right. requires balance, but if you can do something that benefits your mind, your body and your soul, like that's what you want to do in life. Right. For sure. Yeah. Okay. And Streep, how about your path? Let's hear your origin story. Um, okay. So I mean, I don't have like a cool outdoorsy growing up. Like, um, so originally from upstate New York, 
my mom's side of the family lives there and they live on farms. So we would play on the farm and they live on a lake. And so we'd play on the lake and do all that kind of stuff. Um, didn't really like hike or backpack. We would like camp in the yard and stuff like that. We were more the family that would like get together with all their other family friends, people, and like rent a cabin for the weekend and do that kind of thing. So I wasn't really like, I was in the outdoors, but I wasn't like camping and doing the stuff that I am now. Um, so I moved around quite a bit, um, New York to Georgia. I lived in the UK for a while. Um, and then when I was 16, I, I mean, I was like a teen from hell. Um, my parents did as good as they could with what they were given, which was me. And, um, they made a very difficult decision to, when I was 16, to, um, find a residential treatment center for behavioral, for some substance stuff. And I'm mostly like mental health. I was really depressed and, and really suicidal at that age. Um, and they sent me out here to Utah and that's how I ended up out here. I went to a residential treatment center for about a year and graduated that program and decided I would move out here. Um, moved out here and I still really didn't do much in the outdoors. I had little experiences here and there, like little hikes and um, like small weekend trips, like into the desert or something like that. But I didn't, I don't, I wouldn't say that spark was ignited until much later. Um, and my story isn't as cut and dry as John's where he had an experience and was like, oh shit, like this is not the way that I want my life to go. I'm going to stop. I went like the opposite direction. Let's see how far I can push this. <laughs> um, and I, I made the decision to, after having gone to treatment and being sober for a short amount of time, I started drinking and partying again. Um, and eventually that led me down the path of heroin and cocaine. And so I fell pretty heavy into that addiction for a while. Um, I stopped talking to my family. They put up some pretty firm boundaries. I was, I'm a homeless. I was in jail. I really went, I went down a really dark path. Um, mostly trying to find myself and trying to find myself through other people and all these vices, like, and it just wasn't working, but I couldn't see that. Um, I went to rehab several more times. And then finally, something just kind of clicked. I did have that, that same moment where like, I mean, I'd been to treatment and I'd done the sobriety thing and I'd done the AA thing and I tried all these different things. And then I just got tired of it. I just was like, I don't, I'm so tired of you know, all my money and my time and my energy. And I had started to like dip my toe in the water of like the outdoor community. When I went to rehab one time, I met some people and that I started climbing and camping a little bit with them. And that really like resonated with me. It was a really like that me that I was searching for in all the wrong places, like in all these deep, dark caves of addiction I was starting to find it in just like the simplest things in the outdoors like I didn't have to do or be anything else I just showed up and I got on the rock and I climbed and if I didn't make it to the top it wasn't like anybody cared you know I I mean maybe I cared but I could push myself and I could figure out what I liked and what I didn't like instead of worrying about 
what other people thought or, you know, if I was enough in a situation. And so I finally just decided I don't want to live this life anymore. And I stopped. Um, I kept drinking for a while. Um, my addiction was tied pretty heavily to the people that I was around. I very rarely would use alone. And so I'm a little bit different, I guess. I'm not like, not that I'm like on a pedestal or anything like that, but like, I think I'm just like, my brain works differently because if you're not doing it, then I don't want to do it. So, okay, let's just get clean. And I mean, I had that conversation many times with the people that I use with, it's like, let's just stop guys. Like, let's not do this anymore. They didn't want to. So I did. And, um, I started surrounding myself with people that wanted to do awesome stuff like outside. And, and I started to find myself and, and just saw what life could be. And I think, you know, like I started climbing and, and doing some stuff, but like really when John and I connected, when Astro and I connected, I think that door just like blew open and it like we together, our combined knowledge and experience being able to help each other. Like I, I mean, like I'm more of the Canyon person and he had been backpacking. I never went backpacking until like four years ago. And he took me and taught me what he knew. And then we started to learn together. And I think that was something that was just really, it's been really awesome in our relationship to kind of cultivate that and together and to just fall more in love with the outdoors together. Like it's awesome. Yeah. The life that we've created is pretty badass from where we've both been. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I mean, what a story, um, up upstate New York, mm-hmm. right. And, and Astros in Utah and by, uh, just the different circumstances in your lives, you both end up at the same place at the same time. And this is really a relationship with, uh, with three, this is, this is Streep, Astro and the outdoors. Oh, for sure. Uh, it, uh, really seems that way to me. So, I mean, that's, that is just so powerful and, and intriguing. I can't wait to hear more about your story out there on the trail. We're going to take a quick break and we get back, we'll get into some of your, your hiking experiences. And we definitely want to hear about the John Muir trail. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muir Pod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. 
Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor, live ultralight. And welcome back. We are talking to Astro and Streep, and it seems like we have a visitor who has joined us. Who, who is that? This is Ayla. Hey, well, Ayla. Yeah, she is. Oh, she is. Say hi. Oh. She's like, what are you doing with Why me? Why are you doing this? <laughs> she is our border collie. We have a husky somewhere around here. And then we have a kitten. She's blind. A blind so. kitten. Blind kitten. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, border collies. Like us. Border collies. They're very smart and very, they have a lot of energy, right? She has no chill at all. Um, She's very dramatic. She, yeah. She, okay. <laughs> she so she's 100% is. like me. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> She is definitely my dog and Nako is the husky and he's like definitely him. They very much. He's a little stubborn. He's stubborn and just does his own thing and they're cute. They adventure with us a lot. Nice. Nice. Nice to have four-legged friends out there. Oh, for sure. So how how do you guys uh, finance your trips? What are you doing to pay the bills out there? Um, Okay. So uh, like everything, we basically, we just sell our souls on eBay. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're not worth um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm a recreation therapist. So in my journey, I talked a little bit about that. I, uh, I experienced that as a client. It was really hard for me to sit down and talk about my feelings, but recreation therapy basically uses recreation and um, outdoor experiences and leisure opportunities as, as a modality for treatment. So I'm able to, or I have been able to take people rock climbing and hiking and, um, you know, or just something like painting a piece of pottery or going to a movie, things that, you know, get lost in, in addiction and mental health primarily, and using that as a way to provide therapeutic experiences. Um, so I work at a psychiatric hospital right now, but my my majority of my career was in addiction recovery. And for personal reasons, I needed to take care of myself and kind of create some space there. So now I work in crisis management at a psychiatric hospital. Um, I'm able to take clients. We have a ropes course. And so I take clients on the ropes course and they can go on, some of them can go on short walks around the property and such. And just really do work a lot with, um, kids, um, about like five to 18 is what I work mostly with right now. So it's incredibly rewarding work. I am one thing that is really nice about my job is I'm PRN, which basically means I'm as needed. So I um, get to pick my own schedule, which is really nice. So for example, like we're going to Joshua tree next week to meet up with some of our tramley, our trail family. And, uh, I just didn't pick up work on those days and I'll work all the other days around it. So that's nice. one that's... way that really helps us be able to get out as much as we do. That's perfect. I mean, that, that recreation therapy that goes hand in hand with what we were talking about earlier and just the healing power of, of those kinds of activities and for you to be, to be doing that as a career and to be able to 
shape that around your, your own recreational activities. That, that just, that's fantastic. Oh yeah. I love it. Nice. So mine's not as cool. Um, no, yeah, it is. It, okay. It is cool. Well, so I used to work at a company uh, called Diesel Power Gear. I'm no longer there. Um, I was actually uh, let go as soon as I got back from the JMT. Um, without getting into the details, um, no longer there. So right now I focus all of my time on Adventure On, which we can talk more uh, mm -hmm. later. Um, but I also own a jerky company. I started a jerky company a couple of years ago called Colombian Kid Jerky. He's the Colombian and kid. And I'm the Colombian kid. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was. It's not Colombian kids that are made into jerky, just to clarify. Good, good point. <laughs> good clarification. No Colombian kids were harmed during the making <laughs> of this jerky. Um, and so, yeah, I've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, and and then, yeah, most of my time right now is, is focusing on adventure on focusing on social media, focusing on uh, yeah, building there. this awesome company. Yeah, we'll talk about adventure on a little bit later. But in terms of your Colombian kid jerky company, what where can what, what kind of jerky can 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 people find there? Do you well, have right special flavors or, or types of meat? Yeah. So right now it's beef jerky um, and I have a regular flavor. I also have a spicy, but. Um, I haven't released that yet. And right now I sell it on a venture on website and then I will start uh, looking for more distribution, like gas stations, different things like that. Uh, try to get it out there more. Okay. So if a certain podcast host wanted to acquire some of this <laughs> jerky, he, he can go on to adventure on, uh, the website and order it from there. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Okay. And if it's this said podcast wants uh some elk jerky then i can also custom made <laughs> custom made arrange that as well if he's into elk jerky okay uh I, this podcast host has never had elk jerky so he'll, he'll have oh. to maybe we'll have to give it a shot <laughs> oh you'll i well i don't actually know she's a vegetarian i don't need any meat but I'm like, good for you <laughs> listen to her sell this she's never even had it awesome nice I job like street seasoning. can I, I put the seasoning on tofu <laughs> can i tell a funny story about the jerky please do yeah so when i first started this company i was doing everything at home mm -hmm. and i i had my own slicer i bought a dehydrator doing everything and erica wanted to help because i was it started taking off and I started selling a lot. And so I needed some more help. So I'm, I'm working at diesel power gear and she says, okay, I'm going to slice me. I'm going to do everything. And I'm like, awesome. Um, tell her how to do everything. And just to remind you guys, <laughs> she, she is a vegetarian. So this was like a really big deal for her to handle raw meat. For like, for majority of my life since I was 15. So, and I'm 31 now. So I'm like, I don't, I don't meet. She doesn't meet. She doesn't is, meet. Okay. Meet is now a verb. Okay. Yes, that, she just, that is meeting. Um, so I come home and the slicer did something and there was meat all over the kitchen, meat all over her. She's crying. It's just the biggest mess I've ever seen. It was awful. I felt so bad. This vegetarian sitting in the kitchen just blood meat everywhere just like i don't know what's happening <laughs> well, it sounds like it sounds like a murder scene Yo, it's it, awful. 
I mean, I was concerned. I was like, okay, are you okay? Like, what is going on? There's meat on the ceiling, meat against the wall. There's like, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, and the meat was slippery and gross, and I didn't want to touch it. And oh, it was it was rough. But I mean, we've luckily we've outgrown doing it in our home or in like a warehouse. Like we had a uh, like a a warehouse like a bigger space that we could house all the stuff and we are lucky to have outgrown that or he's lucky to have outgrown that and be able to work with um a bigger company that can slice it for us so okay it's I not in a, do it anymore it's not in a garden shed out back is it no not <laughs> no, anymore. okay all right not anymore <laughs> no it is up to usda anyone is part of the usda it is it has its little tag everything it's yeah. legit. Okay. Don't come, don't come looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we clarified that. Okay. Hey, let's talk about some of your adventures. Now we heard a little bit about your, your rock climbing experiences, but uh, I also see here listed on the list, um, John and the 50 K ultra. And so I have, I have run a marathon a few times. And as I was saying during the break, you know, 26.2 miles is a long way to drive, let alone run. So I have, I have the utmost respect for anybody who, who does even further than 26.2 and you've done a 50 K. So John, tell, tell us about that. When, how old were you when you did the 50 K and you know, what kind of training did you go through to, to prep yourself for that? Oh man, it, it was a lot of work. Um, so I started running, it was 2019. No, it was 20. The marathon was last year. Yeah. But when I started training, oh. Um, towards the end of the year, it's like October or something. And, um, I've ran in the past, but just a couple miles here, not like consistently. And I just decided, Hey, I'm going to start running. And so I went out my front door and I attempted to run two miles. And with all of our other activities, I thought I was in shape. I was like, Oh, I climb, I do this. I mountain bike running, no problem. And the two miles, man it was hard to go off the couch and try to run two miles. And so I don't even think I actually ran the two miles. I walked a little bit and that just got me going. And, and you mentioned it before, like my addictive personality latched on to running. I was mm-hmm. now going to be a runner. And so that's what I did. I would run four or five times a week. Um, I watched a lot of YouTube videos <laughs> on, which is funny because people maybe don't think about this. Like, I always thought I could run like, oh yeah, you just know, you just know how to run. You put one leg in front of the other and you just kind of run, you know, but there is a technique to it. So learning that technique was super fun and like what, you know, how to position your body, where you're striking your foot, everything that goes along with it, you know, you, you know, cause you, you know, you run. Um, so training started really slow. I would do a couple miles uh, and then I got to four and then the first time I ran six miles was so hard and I was so exhausted. I remember coming home and I was really excited, but I was pretty much useless. Yeah. And that was a really big moment for me. Six miles for some reason that was like four miles was cool, but for some reason, six miles was just this mark. It was a plateau. And, it was a plateau that you had in your mind and you, you accomplished that. Yeah. yeah and, and being able to do that, I was like, okay, so now I've run six miles. Cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, I started looking up races and I found uh, a half marathon. It was in Zion national park. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do a half marathon. Let's, let's train for that. Set a goal and let's have something to work, uh, work towards. And 
started training, started running, started adding the miles. Um, I honestly used my Garmin watch for most of the training. It would tell me when to rest. You know, I would track my heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's up. I have a baby one. I'm part of the Poke Club. <laughs> nice. We're all sure we're all hold, on, for for people who are listening. We're all holding up our our, our watches right now to the, the television screen, television screen, the the video <laughs> camera, whatever it is. We're on TV. Yeah, we're on TV. There you go. <laughs> um, and and I use that a lot for my training. And uh, one thing I focused on is you know my heart rate and heart rate training and learning how to keep it in a certain area and uh, basically strengthening my heart to be able to push longer miles. Mm-hmm. Um, so the race, I, I ended up missing the sign up for the race. I didn't sign up then. Cause you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe I can't do it, blah, 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 blah. And I started hitting 10 miles and my long runs were 10, 11, 12. I was like, all right, cool. Let's do this. And I went to go sign up and I missed the sign up. And like, it filled up. So I was like, well, I just trained, you know, for the last however long. And I found the Salt Lake City Marathon. And so I was like, okay, sure. I'll just run a marathon. I've never ran a race. Let's just do that. So I signed up for that. And I made sure I signed up (laughs) when I had the thought. I didn't wait. Um, And I just kept, you know, adding the miles. And um, it was weird because when I first started running, you know, two, four, six miles, and then I wouldn't even go running unless I was planning on doing 10 to 13 mm-hmm. miles. Once I got into like those long distances of like 20 on my long runs, like a 10 mile run was like, that was just, for me, it was kind of a walk in the park. Like, okay, now I'm warming up, you know, it was the new short run. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay. It's like me going out for a four mile, um, which was really cool. Like that was super motivating for me. And, um, I'm sure a lot of people are like this, but you, you have these milestones and you hit certain things. Like you mentioned, you know, six miles was my milestone or milestone. And that just kept motivating for more. I was like, okay. And I'm, and I'm the type of person that likes to test their body and see like what it's capable of doing. And um, that just pushed me even more. And I was running 40, 50 miles a week, part of my training, uh, just getting after it. And, and then the pandemic hit and they canceled the race. Oh, and they said, you can run a virtual race. I was like, Oh, so I can go run 26 miles, send you in my info and you'll mail me like a medal. And that just didn't sound super fun to me. I had a friend that actually did that and he went and ran his race and he posted a picture of him pulling his medal out of an envelope. And he's like, where's everyone at? Like, I don't have anyone <laughs> cheering. I don't have, like, I just have this, you know? And so, um, so I missed the race. They canceled it. And I, and I was still training and I was running with some friends and they're like, Hey man, we're doing a 50 K in August. Do you want to try it? And I was like, well, I've never actually ran any race, but sure. Why not? Let's do a 50 K. And for uh, our friends out there who may not be metric minded, uh, 50K is 30 miles. Uh, 32. 32 miles. Well, this one was 32. Okay. While yes. it was 32. We'll get to that. There's story. a story with that. Too. <laughs> oh, there's a, okay. Maybe, maybe it was supposed to be 30 because there was something happened. Okay. Um, and before before you go to that story, I, I just want to check with you and see if 
if I'm unique or if, if other runners have this mindset, whenever I finish a run, even, you know, just, you know, a five miler during the week, I immediately start thinking about the next time I'm going to run. Oh, hundred percent. Is that you too? Oh yeah. And I'm like, me. <laughs> it is always in my mind as to, okay, I've, I've run now. Okay. Now I'm, I'm going to run on Wednesday. Yeah. Or I'm going to, I'm going to run this far on Saturday. It, it's, it's, it's always looming above me. I, I feel this pressure that I need to, to, you know, get that locked in and, and uh, be working towards that next run. Oh yeah, no, definitely hundred percent. And I'm really big on like statistics and that's why I loved the Garmin watch mm-hmm. because it would give me this feedback. And um, I, you know, I'm always trying to run faster or get a better average or like, am I running a, a negative split a positive split? Like looking at all these factors oh, and saying dive. like, okay, well, I want to do it this way. And, you know, and, and I'm personally giving myself a grade <laughs> and, you know, there's days where I'd go run and I, I don't run as far as I wanted to, or I don't run as fast as I wanted to, or I, I did something and it's, so it's a failure, run. right? You yeah, feel bad about like, it. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I can't let that happen again. Like, this is what I'm working towards, you know? And, and once again, like I was super addicted to it. Um, yeah. yeah. I didn't I, really see him for like the, this whole time. Wow. Every I feel, day I, was running and I feel like there's more pressure on me on the shorter runs because in my mind, I'm thinking it's a short run. I should be running fast. I should be having really fast splits. And so I yeah. feel this pressure to run fast and I don't enjoy it. But then on my longer runs, I feel like that pressure's off because it's not about speed. It's about distance at that point and, and right. pacing, you having the right pace and uh, making sure that you feel good at the end of the race. So right. that's, uh, that's just the way it is with me. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a huge part for me that I didn't understand was pace management and refueling and like the science behind all those things. Yeah. Uh, because when I started running, I was just like, I'm going to run and, you know, I'll drink water and I'll do these things. And then yeah, another rabbit hole I went into is like, okay, there's a lot of sports science behind these, these athletes that are running and when to refuel and, um, yeah, how like what managing your your pace like your first six miles okay and now you want to increase your speed or like all these things that go along with it and that was super fun for me to develop and almost because when I got to the 50k I knew exactly what I was going to do and when I was going to do it right I feel a little bit bad I feel bad for Streep right now because you and I are nerding out on uh, (laughs) running and statistics and strategy and she's just kind of looked on the outside looking in at us going oh gosh these guys I ran a mile last week and I literally (laughs) I thought I was gonna die I was like it's I the next day I was so sore is that what you do is this every day of your life are you this sore all the time yeah I started getting a lot of massages I don't understand I'm going to, I'm trying to run. I'm mountaineer training right now. So I'm building my endurance by running and I hate every second of it, but I'm going to do it because the goal is worth it. <laughs> I just have to say everyone hates it when they first start. Like mm-hmm. it's hard, but I love it. Like I, I love it. It's such a good release for me. Yeah. Um, but fast forward, I finally, you know, I'm training, I'm running and we get to the 50 K it's up in Idaho in Island park. And I have a couple of buddies I'm running with. Uh, They're both a lot younger than him, by the way. Like, and this is just me putting him on a pedestal, but like, they're like 
They're like 10 years younger than him. And anyways, to continue your story, keep that in mind. Continue your story. Okay. All right. Do not say a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> like, the emphasis on that hurt my back. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're 10 years, 11 years, 12 years younger than me. Um, and I trained with them a lot. Um, but I was running, like I was dedicated. I was running a lot. So I get to the race. It's race day. Uh, we show up. Uh, beautiful course. It's right by this lake. It's 35 degrees in the morning. Uh, just really cold. Just like, that's perfect. Yeah, it was cold, but I really enjoyed running at that temperature because I mm-hmm. didn't overheat. And 50K, 32 miles. I had to Google it. I'm pretty sure it's 32. I might have to Google it again, but um, running the race, making really good time, um, running with my buddies for the first 10 miles. And then I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to go. And so I picked up my pace and my goal was to run a sub five hour. So in order to do that, it was like a nine minute, it was like nine fifteen average or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. So through that, I'm pace managing, right? So I know how fast I ran the first 10 miles. So I was like, okay, I need to pick it up a little, little bit. The next 10 miles, I ran eight and a half minute pace. And then when I hit mile 26.2, this is the farthest I've ever ran. Because when I'm training, I'm, I've only ran the highest I've gone. That's right. Two miles. Yeah. You don't run a full race, right? That's right. That's right. And so it was my first time ever hitting. So I hit 23 and I was like, okay, now this is like unknown territory. Right. I don't know how my body's going to react. I hit 24, I hit 25, I hit 26.2 and I'm clocked in at like four and a half hours, maybe just under four and a half hours. So I'm super stoked. Like for me, that's a, a huge, that's great time. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm consistent. I'm keeping that pace and mile 28. I'm thinking, okay, so I have about four miles left. I'm kind of around this corner and I'm like four miles left. I remember this turn because how they have the race set up, it's a figure eight and you run it twice. So I'm coming around this corner. I'm like, I know the finish line is like close, but maybe they have us extend a different uh, direction. And I come around the corner with three miles left now and I see the finish line and I'm like, I, this doesn't make sense. I should be going 32 miles. And I get closer and Erica's there at the race and she runs me in. She's running, cheering me on. Um, and he immediately looks at his watch. And I go, what the hell's going on? I'm only at mile 30. And she's <laughs> like, oh yeah, they measured the race wrong. Um, they actually, It's only actually 30 miles. And I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm just frustrated because part of the pace management is like, okay, I know the last two miles, I'm just going to like, I'm going to go like, leave it all out there. Yeah. You could the last two miles, you could have been leaving it all on the course. You've been been managing your pace. Yeah. And well, I know what he's thinking at this point. I'm like, do you want to just keep running? Like, do you want to just go finish it? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. So I cross (laughs) the finish line to to clock in my time and I turn around and I run two more miles (laughs) and I yeah, I told myself I was going to run 32 miles today. That's what I was planning on, everything, and uh, that's what I ended up doing. And he beat both of his friends by, like, hours. No, I don't know how long. For a year. <laughs> They're still running. <laughs> <laughs> no, Astro, you are, so you are a madman. That's awesome. Yeah, super fun. So 
uh, to not to go off the couch. And I did that in under a year mm -hmm. ran, I got myself ready to run wow. 32 miles. Um, I was probably like one of the biggest and biggest goals I have set for myself. And it was super powerful for me to have that experience, to have that kind of focus and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And there's plenty of days that you don't feel like doing it. And, you know, I got to the end, ran the race, finished, got my 32 miles, went soaked in the river. And the sense of accomplishment of completing that was just, I don't even have the words for it. It was unbelievable. It was yeah. worth every painstaking blister day, um, you know, missed out on different adventures and, and stuff like that. Like that was my, that was my thing for that year. And it was, it was definitely worth it. I loved every minute of it. Uh, I'm getting chills just listening to it. That was an awesome story. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank he you. crushed it. Super proud. Congratulations. Thank you. Hey, Streep, let's, let's turn to you for a little bit here. I want to I hear about your winter Highline Trail trip and, and you soloed that. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I kind of know what I was thinking. So I turned 30 last year. Pandemic. I remember, I remember 30. I remember 30 with fondness. <laughs> that was a great a year. A long time ago. It was. I'm yeah. way older than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're pretty though. Yeah. Um, so I turned 30 last year and I tend to go through these phases in life and he knows them very well where I'm like, ah, I just want to run away from everything. I want to go live in a van. I want to be in the mountains. I want to move away. I want to start over. I want to do something new. And he's great for sticking with me going through these phases. Cause he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that Erica. So you like that. It's not realistic for where we are in our lives right now. He's I'm the, woohoo, let's go do whatever. And he's the like, very grounded person in the relationship, which is needed most of the time. And uh, so I was like, I was feeling all of this um, discontent. And I was like, oh, what can I do? And we had for our first year, like dating anniversary or whatever, we had gone out and summited King's Peak, the highest peak in Utah, which is in the Uintas. And which we did the Utah side. Yeah. Typically, most people do the Wyoming. Wyoming side, which is about a marathon, is 26 miles. We did Utah side, which is 50 miles. And that was like my second backpacking trip, I think, ever. And we did it in three days. It was, it was a lot of brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. I wanted to die. Um, but when we were out there, um, the trail that we had taken crossed the Uinta Highline Trail. So I remembered hearing it and people had talked about it. And it wasn't like, I mean, I feel like it's getting a lot more recognition now, um, but it wasn't very well known when I feel like a year ago, even maybe it was, maybe I just wasn't aware of it. Um, I feel like a lot more people are starting to do it because when I started researching it, I mean, I, I'm about to turn 30. I decided this a couple months before 30. I was like, well, I can't move away. I can't go just run around and be like homeless in the desert or whatever I wanted to do. What can I do instead? Where can I find that, that freedom and that empowerment? I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. Just came to me. I was like, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by myself. And that was like going to be my time. And like this, like I'm turning 30 and like, oh, it's going to be this amazing opportunity. So I talk about it forever and I'm like researching and that trail isn't like, 
I mean, I got lucky and made some good friends on the trail, but it's not like how when you were on like the JMT or something where there's people all over the place. Like you're right. The uh, the <clears throat> probability of camping by yourself is it's pretty low. You can if you want to for sure, but it's not like you're gonna be out there alone. When I was researching the Highline Trail and talking to like you know people at REI that had hiked it and stuff, and when I'm shopping for gear and they're like, oh yeah, like there's no one out there. Like no one hikes those that, that part of the trail because people stick to um, very specific parts of the Uintas and the Highline Trail kind of goes through the middle of the mountains and most people stay on the sides um, and don't drop into that, that middle valley. Um, it's a little bit harder. It's not as accessible as the sides are, if that makes sense. So, yeah, and was that true? That, that proved to be true? For the most part, um, I did, I ran into like a handful of people out there. Um, but the first day, so I mean, he, we drive out there and camp at the trailhead. Um, there's little camping spots at the trailhead. We camp at the trailhead and I pack up and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. And I just, as literally, as soon as I was like, okay, hey, bye and say goodbye. I just started bawling. I was like, what am I doing? Oh, this is so scary. I'd never even camped alone. Never even camped alone. And I'm like, I'm going to go backpacking in the middle of these mountains by myself for a week. So cry. And Astro, Astro, did you get in the car and, and just turn up the radio and whistle to yourself all the way home or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't believe she was doing it actually. Um, Cause I knew that it was going to be challenging. Yeah. And the, we camped at Hacking Lake and it was pretty chilly. It was cold. And I'm in a bivy. I don't know if you remember that. I'm in a bivy. <laughs> and oh, and oh my gosh, my gear setup was just absolute crap back then. I had a summer bag. This is September, by the way, September in the it, above the entire trails above like 10,000 feet ish. I have a summer bag that I was like, well, I don't want to replace the bag. Like, I don't have money for that. So I'm just going to throw a liner in it. I'll be fine in a bivy. I'll be fine. It'll be lightweight. This is not, I froze. It was so rough. So did you have multiple layers of clothing on? Did you uh, wear yeah. everything? Did you wear everything wore, in your bag at night? Yeah. yeah. I wore, I literally layer on like, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, and I didn't know smart. I was learning this entire, I've been on maybe a, you know, a handful of backpacking trips. I'd only been backpacking for two, three, two, two years at this point. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to go and I wanted to learn and wanted to do it on my own. Like I bought a, I brought a book, like a full book and a journal and a chair. And I just, I carried way too much crap. Very bougie. My setup now is like almost under 20, almost under 20. Okay. But back then my, my base was like a good 30, 95, a hundred pounds. <laughs> um, so the first day was definitely the hardest. I, I learned really quickly that the trail isn't like some of those more popular trails that you may go on, like the John Muir trail. It was real easy to get lost. And I got lost within the first few miles. I had to be very aware. I had an idea of where I needed to go, but like the trail signs and the cairns and nothing was really lining up. So luckily I had like a GPS. I had, I had a couple map options. I had a paper map, I had a, a GPS and I had, um, I was using all trails at the time. I had that map, which is never trustworthy, but I had it on my phone just in case. And so I'm like navigating myself through this mess, 
there were down trees everywhere. Nothing was cut. I had to keep hopping over trees. I'm just like, wow, I may have gotten myself in over my head. I get to my first camp spot. I made it the miles that I wanted to. It's a 106 mile trail and I was going to do it in seven days. So I was pushing myself. I made it to first camp and I set up everything and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. And then some lady who is actually, she was our trail angel on the JMT. Absolutely love her. Um, her name is Trish and she's just, she's her and her husband have been absolutely incredible, but she came out because there were fires in California and she was going to go do, um, a trip in the Sierra, but she ended up on this trail at the same time as me. So worked out really well. She camped, she walked past me. She kept going that day. Right. And camped a little ways away, but I froze that night. I froze. I was by myself. I was terrified. First of all, like being outdoors and camping in the wilderness in itself is an incredibly vulnerable experience. But then I'm in a bivy where like, if a moose just like walks by, it's going to step on me. Like it's a black bivy on the ground. Like no one's going to, it's going to step on me or a bear. We don't really have bears out here. Mountain lions. I don't know. Or murderers. I don't know. I was terrified. So I'm freezing all night and I hadn't research enough. I knew the bivy was going to be lightweight. And because we at that point only had like a four person tent that we take with our dogs, which I couldn't fit in my bag and I couldn't have carried alone. Um, and I hadn't really educated myself on how to use a bivy and, and didn't understand like venting and setting it up. Right. I just like threw it on the ground. I was like, zip, zip, I'm good. I froze so bad. Um, the whole inside the condensation had nowhere to go so it iced over and just like came down on me I was shaking I woke up at like probably I maybe got a few hours of sleep I woke up at like three in the morning it was so cold that I was shaking and I hadn't learned at this point like boil an algae and throw it in there with you I had little hand warmers and I was trying so hard but I literally shook uncontrollably until the sun came up and I remember looking out and just being like, I've never been so happy to see the sun ever in my life. Like it, I, as soon as it was where I could get to it, I, I got out and I ran over to the sun and I sat in the sun. And then I was like, I was shaking for like four hours at this point and I was physically ill. So I'm like, not doing well. I'm throwing up. I'm like going to the bathroom all over the place. Like it was just, it was not good for me. And I couldn't eat. I couldn't stomach anything. So this is the first day. Okay. And we're on to day two now. That's day one. Eat. But Streep, other than all that, I mean, are you having a good time? You having fun yeah, out there? Yeah, I was, I was, I was having, I was, I messed, I had, we had a Garmin, right? And I messaged her. I was like, what the, what am I doing out here? Who said this was a good idea? Why did you let me do this? And he's like, okay. And I'm about to hit Chapetta Lake, which would be my last access point for him to come and get me. That's it. And then it's straight through unless I go off side trails, right? That was going to be my last point for him to meet me. Um, I was like, you need to come and get me. I can't do this. Like I'm hiking on no food, no sleep, having had a rough night and I'm out here by myself. I have no one to be like a motivator because, you know, we've done trails together and having a person with you. I mean, even just the people you meet on trail makes the world of difference to motivate you, to keep you going, to kind of get you out of your own head a little bit. But I guess that's kind of why I chose to do the trail solo was I wanted that, that time to work there. So I'm crying the whole next day. I'm like, you need to come pick me up. And I sit down and I get to the lake 
And he's like, I'm, I like, he's like, do you want me to? And I was like, no, if I need to, I can leave again. I'll hike out another trail. Like I'm going to keep going. I stop, I filter water. I still haven't been able to eat at this point. And I'm about to go over a pass, uh, North pole pass. It's like 11, five or something like that. I can't remember the exact elevation, no food. I couldn't eat. And I don't know if you remember this, but I like, I'm very food motivated. <laughs> I, I ate, I eat a lot of food when I'm hiking. Like I need it. I get hangry if I don't. And it just like, I was so sick that I couldn't. And I kept going and pushed through and went over that pass and literally didn't eat the whole day until I got to camp the next night. And that's when I ran into Trish and uh, Gourmet, who he actually, shout out to Gourmet, he just finished the PCT. So he's done the AT and PCT now. Pretty rad dude. Uh, he's definitely, he's hiker trash through and through. Definitely both on and off the trail. Um, but, and he taught me a lot of things that I, that, that I didn't know about through hiking. Um, and then Trish is an absolute incredible person as well. So shout out to both of them. I met them and we all camped together. And they were like, oh, have you tried this? Or, oh, okay, why don't you, um, why don't you boil your Nalgene tonight and sleep with that? And they just like taught me things that I didn't know. And I didn't hike with them every day, but we kind of like jumped around each other and kind of camped in the same area. And that's, I think, when I fell in love with the through hiking concept. Like I had heard about big trails before, mm -hmm. um, but being able to be with people and be a hot mess in the outdoors where you're all going through shit and just like, I don't know, like getting to camp every night and like seeing people and connecting just so raw and authentic. And yeah, just like, I know people talk about it all the time, but really that is like, I think, I mean, at least for me, that's why I get on trail. That's why I, through hike that was what I was looking forward to the most on the JMT when we did it and I definitely got that that sense of family on the trail and it was a really powerful experience I got pushed out by a fire so I didn't get to finish Ooh. but I've done the other section of okay. the trail back in um so I've kind of connected the pieces right. like my like a I don't know, the yo-yo version of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. flip, flip, flip. flip floppy thing. Flip, sure, flip flop. Yeah. Sure. What I don't know. Yeah. I went this way and then I went this way and met in the middle, kind of. So um, but yeah, it was it was an epic experience. Sounds like it. What one of my favorite parts of hiking is that at the end of the day, you turn around and you look at where you came from and you're like, I came from way over you know, it could be over that mountain way in, oh, in the yeah. distance. And uh, just knowing that, you know, the power of your body has taken you from point A to point B and uh, you, you've, you've put in the, the hours and the effort to, to do that. It's just so satisfying. Sure. I mean, I think that was one of the coolest things standing on top of Whitney, right? Cause we ended our JMT on Whitney. So powerful. Being like, whoa, we came from over there. I don't even know if I can see it, but way over there, we walked through all of these mountains and then driving from Whitney portal all the way back into Yosemite Valley and just passing it. Like I walked this. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a super rewarding part of this. Yeah. And then when you take a look at a map and you can see the trail and it's just so small <laughs> compared to like everything around it, you're like, right. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. 
And so let's just ask the question right now. Any long trail aspirations, PCT in your future? I definitely want to. He's going to take some convincing. He's he's like, maybe. Well, how would that work? Like he's like he's a logistics person. Mm -hmm. He's definitely the grounded one. I'm like, let's go right now. We'll just do it in the winter. Let me grab my bivy. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really big on timing. Like it's got to make sense. You know, there's got to be a lot of things that align to be able to make it work. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, but we I'm, have the, the dogs and stuff, and I it was so hard to leave them for three weeks. I can't, I don't know if we could do six months with them right now. Like, I think that would be the hardest part. Yeah. Is leaving the dogs. They could come for sections of it, but. Yeah, it's yeah. easier to leave, leave kids behind than, than dogs. Yeah. No, don't, sure. don't tell, don't tell my kids that. Give them to my parents, and they'll be fine. <laughs> Hey, let's skip ahead. Let's skip ahead to the John Muir Trail, one of our favorite topics on the on the podcast here. I want to, want to hear about your experiences out there. I want to make sure that we, we leave enough time to hear about Adventure On, too. So, yeah. Okay. So, I just heard from you three weeks. It sounds like you went southbound. You started Happy Isles? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we got the golden ticket. Got the golden ticket. Nice. Super lucky. Oh, so grateful. Um, Half Dome, too, was included in that. Did you do, did you do Half Dome? Yeah. We did. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That right. first day was, was a lot. <laughs> so yeah. Take us through that first day. If you've got half dome permit and you leave from happy hours, what does that, what does that first day look like? Yes, so we, we stayed in Levining actually, cause we didn't want to camp. We wanted to sleep in a bed one last time. Mm-hmm. So we had to drive into the Valley in the morning, which was like a, what, two and a half hour drive or something it was like, like that. Two hour drive. But we, we, we got up at three, got to the trail about five. Yeah, the sun was just coming up and, uh, you know, we started the trail, we had a full pack, everything, and anyone that has climbed out of Yosemite or uh, Happy Isle knows that it's just a staircase. You're just a stairmaster for (laughs) five miles, 3,000 foot elevation, and that's just to base camp to uh, Little Yosemite, and then... We dropped pack and hiked up to Half Dome. Which yeah. was so, so epic. Another... I don't know why people talk about it more. Like people talk about, everyone talks about Angel's Landing. Like, no, y'all need to start talking about Half Dome because that is a whole nother, it's just a fun, it's a fun hike. It's, it's fun, hard. but it is crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Sub Dome, you know, just brutal. Yeah. We, I, I go up on the cables. I had heard about the cables mm-hmm. and I, I think I had read somewhere that they're, you know, at 45 degree mm-hmm. uh, incline. It seemed like it was 70 degrees. In, oh, yeah. some, in some places and I'm not wearing any kind of safety equipment. I've got gloves on mm-hmm. and uh, people are going, coming down, you know, at the same time people are going up and you are just hanging onto a cable on the side of a rock. It is, oh, yeah. it is, it is nuts. I think because we're climbers, we loved it. Yeah. It was just, it was epic. It was, but we, I mean, it was challenging. It was a long day after climbing up out of the Valley and then up to the half dome and then going up the cables um but it was it was epic yeah super rad mm-hmm. so it was a really awesome first day and then well, i mean we went swimming and chilled and hung out and met some mm-hmm. people and yeah what what time of the year was this what what was the dates of your what were the dates our of your start trip? date was august 8th oh, okay august 8th yeah. and then we finished we summited the 27th i think we were a day early on our permit we had an extra day but we decided to we wanted food <laughs> Nice. Well, let's talk about some of the highlights and lowlights on the on the John Muir Trail. What were some of your favorite moments and what were some of your most challenging times out there? 
Oh, baby deer meadow. <laughs> I forgot about baby deer meadow. So we, um, BDM, it became a joke with our group because I was like, everyone, you hear about BDSM? Like BDM oh, is Oh, wow. We're going, we're going there. Okay. Uh, it just happened. <laughs> yeah. So baby deer meadow. No, it's not. It's not sexual. It's okay. actual baby deer. Okay. In good. A meadow. Okay. It's exactly what it sounds like. So outside of Tuolumne, we didn't make it to where we had planned to. We wanted to get to kind of like, um, there's like that meadow below Donahue. We wanted to get there, but we hadn't, we learned the hard way to stop and take care of ourselves as we were hiking. We were just like, let's push through, let's get to the destination. Let's go, go, go. And we had done trails, you know, where we're cramming 50, 60 miles into a weekend, long weekend. Um, and then coming home and resting, but we hadn't done this kind of thing where you're going for a long time. And so we get to Tuolumne and we stop, but like, don't really, we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not taking care of our feet. We're not taking care of our bodies. We're just pushing. And, uh, so we didn't make it to camp. Our feet were hurt. Everything hurt. I thought we were going to die. I was like, I think that was the only time that I actually was like, holy crap, are we going to be able to do this? We're on like day three or four. Like, I don't know if this is possible. Um, but we get there and we set up camp and we're by ourselves and we look out. This is it Tuolumne? This is, yeah, this is, you know, up Lyle Canyon. Okay. Yeah. Lyle Canyon. Got it. Yeah. Like kind of right past where, no, it's Lyle Canyon. It is Lyle Canyon. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. just trying to think of that intersection. I thought it was Oh yeah. Be... I don't know. Um, but we get there and there are baby deer everywhere everywhere i've never seen so many baby deers in my whole life and they were so cute and they were just like prancing around and like coming not coming up to us i wish they would come up like snow white in this situation but they were just there were so many of them and they were so cute and i couldn't handle it and i was just like this is the most magical meadow that i've ever seen in my life look at all these baby deer and it was it and for as much pain as we were in going to sleep with all the baby deer around and then we woke up and they were just all like the sun was glistening and it was like a fairy tale. It was seriously a fairy tale. The sun was glistening and they were just like, wa like walking through the field and being cute. And it was awesome. It was what it was. Yeah. That day was incredible because then we went up over Donahue, which is beautiful, mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful pass mm -hmm. and dropped down in. And I think, did we get to Thousand Island that day? Yeah, I think we did. I think we went all the way through to thousand that day. So that was just like the most epic day. Yeah. Baby Deer Meadow. It sounds like Streep, you got, you got what you needed when you needed it. I mean, you were oh, kind yeah. of at a low point and then just the magic comes out and kind of sustains you a little bit and, and uh, motivates you to keep going. And then the other side of Donahue, in my mind, you know, I've been through that area a few times and it just reminds me of the, the Shire in, in the Hobbit. It just yeah. seems like a, a magical area. Uh, really, really picturesque and uh, just uh, uh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I love I love Banner Peak. That was probably a highlight for me, uh, getting to Banner Peak and setting up my camera. And it was like the perfect condition to get nighttime shots. And the moon, it was right after a new moon. So the sky was really dark. Uh, the Milky Way was positioned right over. Oh, wow banner peak and so i did a time lapse of the milky way just moving throughout the sky over banner peak and having the clouds come in and different things like that and so that that was like 
that got me going because I was super excited after that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Astro, Astro, you're going to have to send me that picture so I can I can feature that in the uh, the week leading up to your episode on on our Instagram oh, yeah. account. Oh, yeah, I definitely can. I can yeah. send you the little short video clip and, and fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely something we needed because day three was hard. Mm. Like day three was really challenging. We we had we didn't get our um, hiking legs yet, and so yeah, we we definitely needed a little pick me up. Yeah, for sure. And then I think like other other highlights were. I mean, I said it earlier. I cried at Virginia Lake. It was just absolutely beautiful. We had one of the best sunsets, at, sunrise and sunsets at Virginia. Lake. It was incredible. Uh, it was beautiful. It, it looked like there was a storm that was about to roll in, and then it just went the other way. And then yeah. the sun hitting the peak in the distance behind Virginia Lake, and then you know you got peaks all around you, and then the sun setting and the different colors. It was just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You try, you try and show people pictures. You try and describe what it's like yeah. out there and, and they just don't, they don't get it. I mean, it's you no, know, nothing against them. I mean, they can't, they can't understand. Yeah. And, and we sat there. I mean, we got there fairly early. I think we ended up picking a shorter day because it was so beautiful and we were able to set up camp, sit there at the lake and just watch everything mm-hmm. uh, and actually take it in. And I think that was really powerful for us to be able to keep pushing i mean it was so beautiful we stayed in the morning too we typically got on trail and started moving by 6 37 at the very latest yeah i think we, but stayed, we till, stayed until like 8 8 30 that yeah. day oh, just wow. like taking it all in it was late start yeah it was so <laughs> worth it though like because we would get up at five and then just like mosey around camp and but just watching the sun come up and watch and just being able to be there at that lake was mm. beautiful and then my absolute favorite part of the trail, like trail wise, was um, Palisades, like lower to upper. We were there at the perfect time, right? Was, is that Palisades? Palisades yeah. Lakes? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where we camped. That's where you did the cribs thing. Um, mm-hmm. um, we were there at the perfect time and it was just like magic. Like I, it was one of those places where I literally have like 500 of the same video. Cause I was like, look at this. Oh my gosh, look at it. It's amazing. And it doesn't do it justice, but no. the sun was hitting the lakes just right. And that trail going up where you're just kind of on this like granite face and it's just yeah. above the lake. And it's just absolute beautiful, beautiful place. Where did you camp at Palisade? Upper we've camped. Like there's a little stream, um, and some dirt areas. I mean, like, yeah, there's a lot of stream and some dirt. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But there's like, there was a little stream kind of right there. It was a, the last water source before whatever Mather pass. Is that what Mm -hmm. pass? Mather pass. Mather pass. So you can't, you can't closer to upper Palisade Lake or above. Yeah. Yeah. Upper Palisade Lake. Got it. Got we it, stopped yeah. and swam in Lower Palisade and then kept hey, going. So did I. So did I. I was nice. there. I was there probably a couple of weeks earlier than you. Yeah. That was right after the um, Golden Staircase. Yeah, Golden. Yeah. Staircase. Right. Yeah. Um, another highlight, I think, one thing we try to focus on too is finding a place to a nice place to take lunch and swim every day. Every day. So we would always we. That's why we rolled into camp so late every night is because I was like, I want to swim. We spend an hour eating lunch and swimming. Uh, Did you take the plunge every day? Every day. Yeah. Well, I think that I think like when we resupplied at MTR. No, we did that day. We did at the bridge. Yeah, Yeah, because we went at the bridge. Um, But there is this one place and I wish I could remember exactly where it was at. We stumbled upon it. Um, 
I think it was after our MTR supply. Oh, it's and uh, it had a waterfall into this bowl and uh, bear, bear something, bear. That sounds right. I don't yeah, know. something like that. It's a secret spot. You can't but find it. You could. It was deep enough that you know you could go under. Um, but it and was the be- waterfall. Yeah, you, you could, could sit under it. Get under the waterfall. It's, it's like taking a shower. Um, but we swam and ate lunch, and that was probably one of the best swimming holes on the whole trip. And our friend that we were hiking with. Well, one of our trail family people who he wouldn't get in the water anywhere. Never swam with Finally us. got in the water with us. That there. was the place. Yeah. Yeah. Never got in the water again. <laughs> that water is cold. I, so t- I took though. I took the plunge three times on this on this last trip. And boy, that water was was cold. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. get you going. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely yeah. not warm. Mm-hmm. Did you swim in Wanda? No, I wanted no. to. So I sat on the edge. We I wanted to it so, so cold bad. Yeah. It is the most beautiful. Like mm. it's like like you think you're in the Bahamas. It's so clear and so. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. Yeah, that's I one. Of, that's like, one of my. That's one of my favorite spots on the trail is is Wanda uh-huh. Lake. That's just yeah. It's just both, cool. yeah both um, what's the other one on the other side? Sa- Sa- I- oh, Helen. Helen, oh, yeah, yeah, Helen Helen and Wanda are both incredible. Mm-hmm. And you know, beautiful. you know why they're named Wanda and Helen. Yeah, yeah they're kids, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, John Muir's daughters. His daughters. Yeah, daughters. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to swim there so bad, but it was pretty early in the morning when we were there, and it was pretty windy and and cold still. So it was a little bit of a turnoff for me. But when I go back, when I go back, I will do that. Okay. So yeah. Other highlights, or should we skip to Mount Whitney? um highlights oh we uh, had a marmot neighbor his name is ralph um and he hung out he actually has a girlfriend that came out and played too oh I, got, I got <laughs> oh one. the bear one yeah so we were it's towards the end day 17. same spot with ralph this is where the same, same spot as ralph of course <laughs> um we're going to bed where is this it's um Tyndall 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 yeah Tyndall Tyndall Frog Ponds or Tyndall yeah 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 yeah. that's where Ralph lives yep okay um so we're going to bed it's probably like 9 9 30 and um yeah we're laying there and we hear this twig break okay give him some context it's like though he takes season no Okay, Uh-oh. fine. Go. Uh oh. So this, like, is, this is this is fascinating to watch these two. <laughs> <laughs> so a twig breaks, and we both kind of just stop. We're like, "Oh, did you hear that?" And then we hear this like snarl, kind of like sniffing, sniffing snarl, but like kind of deep. And we're like, "Okay, what is that?" And it sounds pretty close, right? And we hear it moving around, and then it stops. And we're laying there. We're like, "Okay, what is that? Is that a cougar? Is that a bear? Like, what is that?" So we go, hey, bear. And so we're doing, you know, hey, bear, do all that things. And we can hear it moving around. So every every few minutes, we'd hear it move. And then we'd kind of settle. And then it would move again. And Erica is terrified. I have never seen her this scared. I had my knife. She I had was... this little pocket knife that was. Maybe, <laughs> no, it's bigger than that. It was two inches. The blade was two inches. No, it's not. She's it's holding bigger. it against her chest. And she's trembling. <laughs> Just shaking. I was ready to fight. Just like it's having a yeah, and um, I I have trouble sleeping. I, I have insomnia, so I take sleeping meds. And of course, I took those bad boys like nine o'clock. I'm ready to go because you know it, when we say it's bedtime, it's bedtime. And I'm 
trying to he stay awake. I'm trying to stay awake. She's like, there's a there's a bear out there. I got my knife and she's shaking. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And I start dozing off as she's hitting me. She's like, are you falling asleep? What are you doing? Wake up. There's a bear out there. Because uh, I didn't leave. Like we said, hey, bear several times and it, like kind of disappeared, but then came back. It was, it was probably like 45 minutes at least. Just, yeah, it was and, not going anywhere. And she trembled for so long that she had to go to the bathroom. She I had to so pee. Bad. She shook it out of her. <laughs> and so she's like, oh no, I have to go pee. You need to go out there and check. And I'm like, why do I need to go out there and check? She's like, go out there for me, make sure it's gone. <laughs> and I'm still half asleep. And so I go out there, share my light, don't say anything. She comes out. And uh, that was the close encounter we had on the trail. That we didn't was, see any bears, but we didn't see any bears. A lot of marmots, a lot of deer. Uh, Astra, was, you didn't you didn't jump out behind it from behind a tree when she when she was finished peeing. Oh, oh my God, she should have. She went like five feet from the tent. She, <laughs> yeah, wasn't, even, going she wasn't gonna go anywhere. I was not. She I was, was like, you stand right next to me so the bear gets you, so I have time to, to pull my pants up and run. <laughs> well, also like. In my mind, my dramatic mind, I'm like, okay, so if this there's bears not leaving, and like I feel like when I hear about it and read about it in books and, and see it in the TV, people say, hey bear, and the bear goes away. This bear is not going anywhere, so it must not be a bear. I'm like, next thing in my mind is like, it's murderers. They are coming to get us. And I don't know if you know are familiar with the diet law of pass. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was like, that's happening to us right now. So zero to a hundred. I'm just like off on all these like different th- scenarios that are going to happen. And he's falling asleep. I'm just trying to sleep. It was a long day. We've been 17 days out there. Steve, <laughs> you, you go, you go to some very dark places very quickly. I am. I'm a you big true crime no, person. Have no idea. Everything <laughs> is death and Everything's murder. Everything's a murderer. And- <laughs> Everything. You know, I, I take comfort in the fact that you're out in the you're out there in the middle of nowhere, and so that is a long way to travel for a murderer to find a victim. I know, I know, bad things have happened out there, but you know, I, you know, I'm I'm gonna look at the glasses half full. That you know, yeah, that, for sure, there, there are a lot lot easier uh, targets out there. You know, yeah, closer to the don't city. Have to work that hard, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> I don't know, but that's where my mind was going, especially to the diet law, the diet law, however you say it, that yeah. passed. And if you don't know what that is definitely look it up it's a very interesting thing that happened that probably was basically that was going to happen to us that was happening we survived though so all right hey before we move off the john Muir trail tell us tell us about uh getting to the top of mount whitney what kind of experience was that for you guys uh okay so we camped at guitar lake and uh awesome so beautiful we had another really gorgeous sunset Mm -hmm. Uh, we went swimming. We thought it was going to be freezing, but it ended up actually being kind of not warm, but not that cold. Disneyland uh, for marmots. Um, so then we went to bed and we decided, okay, we're going to wake up at 1.30. We're going to get on trail at 2 and we're going to go for the sunrise. Mm-hmm. So we get up, pack everything up, and we think it's going to be frigid. It was actually not It wasn't that, that cold, no. no. Um, we, we go up. Um, and Erica started feeling a little sick from the altitude and, and altitude lack of sleep, sleep and mm-hmm. just, you know, 19 days, 18 days out there. And so we started taking our time a little bit. Uh, once we get to the trail crest, trail crest I sprint ahead because I want to try to get up there for sunrise, set up my camera, take videos, all that stuff. And that trail going from 
Trailcrest to Whitney is just absolutely amazing. It's so cool. Almost makes up for how brutal Whitney Portal is. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable, especially when you start seeing the sun kind of hit the horizon and hit those peaks. Oh, beautiful. So yeah. amazing. Um, so we cruise up, make it up to Whitney right when the sun is coming up. Beautiful. Well, I, I moseyed my way there. I stopped for a little bit to try and let myself. I didn't want to push it um, with the altitude. I We've summited higher. We've been at 15. So I was like, I know I can do this, but every mountain is different. Every day is different. So taking my time and, and I think that's something like everyone should do, like no matter what's happening, like if you start to feel that this, the signs of altitude, like just pause for a second and check in. So I did that and mosing my way up and he got up there and took some pictures and then I met him Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was pretty rad. We, there were a lot of people up there, some people we had met along the trail and stuff. And I had packed, I had made homemade cookies and vacuum sealed them and sent them in our last resupply box for us to eat on the summit. So we brought homemade cookies and hot chocolate and we sat up there and we actually stayed there. Everyone else left. And so we actually had the summit to ourselves for a little bit, which was really nice. We just sat up there and, and watched the sun continued to rise and unbelievable ate cookies and drank hot chocolate. And the, it was, yeah. The amount of peaks that you see from that vantage point is just insane. Like I had no idea. Like it was just unbelievable. Yeah. So many peaks and you could see where we came from. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're at the highest point. So everything is below you. It's so cool. Yeah. And 19 days, surviving the trail together. I think that's just like, I know that the true trail or whatever technically goes from the summit to the valley, technically, but I I don't, I that, would rather start and, and work my way towards that incredible yeah, finish. Yeah, that like payoff. it is so, and plus I'm really glad we did that to give us those passes to kind of acclimate, right. you know? I think that's a smart way. At mm-hmm. least for me, it was a very smart way to do it. Well, I've said this to uh, other couples that have been on the podcast before, and that is, you know, there's no hiding out on the trail from each other. And, uh, you know, you're at, you're at extreme highs, extreme lows. There's a lot of stress sometimes. And if you, you see, you see each other's true selves. Mm -hmm. And if you guys uh, can make it through that, you guys can make it through anything. You guys are a, a forever couple. We'll yeah. see. Our wedding is in April, so we still have a few months to call it off. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, but yeah, we definitely, it's, we had like breaks from each other. I think that's super, super important. I, that could definitely be a pro tip, but I'll give you another one. Um, I think, gonna be oh, damn. <laughs> um, we definitely, we had space where we each had our own book that we downloaded, or I actually had podcasts. I had your podcast too and uh where we would take breaks from each other throughout the day and just say like he hikes faster than me because he's a runner i do not run that is not my thing and i hike slower so we would you know kind of he would go and i'd meet him and i think that was a really big we definitely got into some arguments on the trail i think that was when the hunger hike hiker hunger set in Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely but uh i think we did a really good job overall like managing and navigating that because you're absolutely right it is whether it's your significant other or a friend or someone you meet on the trail, like being with one person for that amount of time is can be challenging. 
it's not only just the time it's the environment and what you're yeah, yeah exactly through. like what he was saying yeah mm-hmm. um yeah well guys we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna hear about uh, adventure on and go through some of our our finishing up segments so stay tuned for that we'll be right back want to make a podcast spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free it's called spotify for podcasters and here's how it works spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter what your setup is like you can start creating today then you can distribute your pod- podcast to spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard video podcasts are also available on spotify With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. All right. Welcome back. Just heard about your fantastic trip on the, the John Muir Trail, trip of a lifetime. It is it is one of the, the most beautiful places out there. Oh, for sure. 100%. So we, we heard about Adventure On right at the very beginning of the episode. You alluded to it as, as that being your full-time uh, passion right now, Astro. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Adventure On? What, what is it? So Adventure On, uh, essentially we are a venture giveaway company. And what that means is we want to provide opportunities for people to get outside and have experiences doing things that maybe they don't have available, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we want it to be more inclusive. We want, um, for example, we did, we called it the ultimate Moab adventure. And we flew two people out. They're from Fresno. They came out and we took them down to Moab. All expenses paid. We paid for their flights. We paid for food. We paid for lodging, um, adventure, all that stuff. And we took them through Moab to some of our favorite spots. Mm -hmm. And we gave them an experience that, you know, they probably wouldn't have done by themselves because we have the knowledge to be able to do and experience to be able to do uh, a lot of these adventures. Um, and, you know, canyoneer and repelling all these things. So it gave them an opportunity to have that experience. And so we do that through our website, adventureon.us. And um, when we have an active giveaway going, all you got to do is go to the website um, and you can get a lot of information there. Yeah, I think like at the core of what we're doing is like, we've been so incredibly fortunate and we've talked a lot today about how, impactful and powerful and and just life-changing being outside has been for us and we're really lucky to be able to be in a place where we can start to get that back because I know a lot of people out there may not have the means may not have the may not have access to it to doing all these things that we're very fortunate to be able to do and so I think our hope is to be able to give people these unforgettable opportunities to like, so this podcast will air after, but we're about to start our winter giveaway and we're going to do a ski trip out here. We live in Utah, so we have great snow. Well, not now because, you know, 
there's nothing mm -hmm. out here. Yeah, we will have great snow. <laughs> um, but we're going to do like, if you've always wanted to ski or snowboard, like let's come out, learn on us. We're going to take you like we, um, yeah, we'll we just really want to give back. I think that's the core of it. And we have a lot of plans in the future for retreats and, um, networking with some nonprofits, um, particularly focusing on the BIPOC and queer communities and, and really giving access to the outdoors in a way that hasn't been done before. Fantastic. So what, how, how do I check for the winter giveaway that's uh, on, on your website? <laughs> yeah, it'll be on our website. We'll, yeah. We'll be launching that uh, around yeah. December 10th. Yeah. So it'll be, we'll have it on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. our second one. So we're hoping it ma it makes it a little bit further in reach. Cause when we first get started, mm -hmm. everyone's like, are they real? Like, no, we're real. We are. Yeah, we're really here to help. Um, and, and through our social media to adventure on us, uh, we, we do biweekly giveaways, mm -hmm. uh, just like gear giveaways, stuff that we love, stuff that we use. We and, just gave away micro spikes yeah, for winter. And we, we want to be able to give that to, give back to the community and let them have an opportunity to maybe get some gear to try something new. You know, if, mm -hmm. if you see something and you've always wanted to do it, like the snowboarding trip or ski trip, and you just never had access to it. Like you don't live by a resort but it's something you really want to do. So we want to be able to offer that right. to everyone. Yeah. Cause it's not, I mean, it is, and it isn't like Nate outdoors is free, but like if you're getting the gear to keep you safe, to do the things that you want to do, it really it is not isn't, free. <laughs> you know, if you, you know, like quality gear is not, I mean, like you think about like a backpack or just like even going ultra light, like a, that's not even on the table. Like that's so expensive. Right. And so that's our hope. That's our, our mission is to provide like these unique, affordable, inclusive opportunities to make the outdoors accessible to everyone, no matter where you are, what you're doing in your life. Like we got you covered. Well, that is fantastic. Thank you for doing that. All our listeners should be uh, going onto their, their uh, internet and uh, finding adventure on us, bookmarking that and going back on a regular basis, checking out those giveaways. Yeah. Okay. What is the next big adventure for Streep and Astra? I mean, we're getting married. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, New, well, well, New Zealand. What were you going to say? I was going to say <laughs> the wedding because it, we get to go to New Zealand. Let's okay. Good. Maybe. Good. Good recovery. Obviously, like right now, the borders aren't open to New Zealand, yeah, but yeah. we're hoping because April, still a little bit away. But yeah. I think we're getting married. We're going to do an epic adventure wedding down in Moab. Um rock climbing and i want to do the insanity swing for i don't know if have you heard of that doc i have not heard of it but uh just from the title it sounds pretty pretty uh pretty exciting after we're done google it okay that's what i want to do i want to do it in a wedding dress i want him to be in a wedding attire i want to jump off a cliff and swing like a hundred feet. I want to do that i would totally do it it's, it's really expensive very so expensive. we don't know if we're going to be able to do that okay but. We're going to do Got a it. bunch of, I mean, it's like we're doing glamping to make it accessible to some of our family. We would probably, I would, I wanted to backpack and just like go elope in the mountains, but we're trying to include family and, and make it like a, a really fun experience. So this yeah. sounds like an epic experience, an epic wedding. If you, if you don't have a, an officiant yet, I can get my, my online <laughs> minister ordained minister certificate. So yeah, we thought you might say that. Just, yeah. just let me know. <laughs> let me know. Hey guys, you know where we are? 
Guess where the project been signed of the week? Yes, Yay! that's right, Streep. You didn't fall yeah, for it. You was... knew exactly where we were. I've been training. You've yes. been training. Yeah. That Everyone's, paid off. Oh, I don't know where we are, Doc. <laughs> A true fan of the podcast. That's right. So what bit of trail wisdom do you have to share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? And this is bonus. We get two pro tips, one from mm. Streep and one from Astro. Do you want to go first? Oh, sure. I'll go. Okay. Uh, pro tip. Um, I feel like maybe we can't talk about this too much, but like foot care, like really take care of your feet. And, and we learned on the JMT that we would take breaks and take our shoes off, take our socks off, let, you know, soak our feet if we could let them get some air, um, really relax them. Um, and then massage them at night, but really like take care of your feet. Cause that's, you know, make or break it. That's right. Yep. Excellent pro tip. Dang that's going to be a tough one to beat there. Street. I know. I feel like I'm so lame now. Um, um, I was thinking about this and I was like, what's something that's like so important. That's like a game changer. And I think, I mean, I talked a little bit about it and there's a lot of learning as you go, but I think really educating myself has been a huge game changer, um, doing the research and understanding what I'm getting myself into. And so my pro tip is like, take a class or read up, like really like take a leave no trace class, take an avalanche class, take a, like an online, just, it doesn't have to be like something big or expensive, like an online bivy class. And, uh, yeah, no, really. Like I, a quick Google search could have saved me on that one. All it's going to be is someone throwing the baby away. <laughs> because, <you're right. laughs> well, and I say this because like, I know like I, I way overeducated myself for the JMT and like the plan went out the window, but I'm so glad that I knew because I knew so much about that trail that if anything were to happen, I would know my exit points. I would know, you know, what was coming next and how to navigate it enough to hopefully avoid injury and to, to take care of it, the trail and myself and John Astro, sorry, um, <laughs> as well as possible. So I think like, that's the biggest pro tip is like, if you're just getting your foot in the door, or even if you're a professional, if you're trying something new, like take a class, get educated, Google it, figure it out. Everyone's going to have a different opinion, but that way you have enough knowledge to navigate it and hopefully not get hurt. Some great pro tips right there. Thank you very much. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Streep and Astro. I want to thank them for joining us this week. Guys, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? You can go to Adventure on Us on Instagram. And then our website where we have blogs and merch and all that fun stuff is Adventure on Us. Okay, we got some merch. TikTok, but I don't use it. What, what kind of merch? Uh, well, Oh, it's look at that. They're representing. Got yeah, the shirt. Yeah, so you have to tune into the you have to tune into YouTube to see what they just showed us. <laughs> yeah. So we try and do like sustainable things. Like this is recycled. Um blue, blue dot, blue screen or something like that is the printing process that's more sustainable. Um, and then so we have shirts, we have hats, we have beanies, um, tank tops. We are working on hoodies and sweaters. Actually, probably by the time this airs, we'll definitely have that. And then his jerky's on there 
And we just partnered with a local, like a small local company, a roasting company. To make coffee. In Salt Lake that's going to make coffee. Uh-huh. And they've got some good programs on like, um, on, you know, they do like childcare services for the coffee farmers down there and stuff. It's really cool. So yeah, I'm really they, excited about that. Yeah, they go direct to farmer and then they sponsor their childcare. So the mm -hmm. farmer's families have a place for the kids to be taken care of and they can go to work. Yeah. It's it's a really cool program. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me the kids were doing the, doing going to work. No, like, <laughs> no, it's to keep the kids from doing the work. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yeah. So lots of cool stuff on there. We're hoping to get into some technical stuff in the future, but right now with uh, post COVID, I guess it's still COVID. Whatever the world is in right now, the supply chain is pretty all over the place. So we haven't been able to get any sources that are reliable right now. For we're hoping to do some some pretty cool technical gear. Well, I can see that there's a, a a cup of adventure on us coffee in 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 my future along with my elk jerky. So, Hell awesome, yeah. Man. yeah. All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which uh, you heard Streep there kind of poo poo on. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, I just. I'm t I don't know how you're on TikTok. I am not. I don't. It's so much to keep up with. It, it hasn't taken off yet. I have a few followers. I get, a, I get an occasional like on, on my videos, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Too yeah. Too, it's too much. Yeah, it is a lot. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamere at gmail.com. Guys, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? You don't say what I'm thinking you're going to say. I'm going to be so upset. I'm going to cheat. Born, no. to, born oh, to Run. I knew you were going to say that one. If you haven't read that, so good. Um, and then we just watched a movie last night, but yeah, I you can't I'm not going to say it. I know Street wants to say it. So Okay. Yeah, Born to Run, the book. He actually listened to that on trail. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to actually choose a book because I feel like, okay, fine. I won't choose a book. I was so I journeys north I read that and that was incredible yes she's in a book yeah but Scout. I'm gonna yeah so it's such a good re I listened to that on trail it was incredible um I would say we watched um 14 summits last night oh incredible story this dude is like a whole nother like superhuman breed. Have you seen it yet? This is my daughter just told me about it. I think when I got home today from work, it's, it's a guy from Nepal, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just Nepalese, it, it's incredible. And it's, it's got, I mean, some faces you'd probably recognize, maybe you'd recognize yeah. in there, but he's um, some, it's 14. All yeah. the four. Yeah. All the yeah. So she, my daughter says, dad, you got to get this guy on the podcast. I said, well, who is he? What, what is it? What, what, I don't, what's I hate, the name? Yeah. So I found him on, him on I found podcast. him on Instagram and uh, I followed him and I, I shot him a message. We'll wait Dude, and see what happens. So, I don't know. That'd be so awesome, man. I will, <laughs> I will sneak on as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to meet him. Yeah. He's, he's a beast and it's really, it's inspirational and I'm, so I mentioned earlier, like I'm, I'm kind of in the process of training for some mountaineering. Like I want to get into mm -hmm. some mountaineering this, we this year. Do. Yeah, we both do. Um, so it was really inspiring to see what the human body is capable of. And he really just shows the mental push that it takes to do some of this stuff. So really awesome. 10 out of 10 okay. would recommend to a friend. All right. Some great recommendations. And before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? Hmm. Did we miss anything? I know we talked so much. I don't know. Well, like, I mean, 
we can get near a lot, but that's a whole other can of worms to open. We may have to come have you come back on, a, on another episode to explore the things we weren't able to talk about tonight just because of the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of adventures. Okay. Like, we, like you said at the beginning, we're mediocre at everything. So okay. pretty much anything you can think of, we've tried it. All right. Stick a pin in that. We'll come back to that then. Sweet. That is a wrap from the John Freakymer studio. Any shout outs to friends and family guys? I mean, I feel like we should. I would be really rude if we didn't, right? <laughs> Hi, mom. No. Um. Yeah. Shout out to my family for being awesome. And shout out to our trail family. I know I already shouted them out, but Splash and Mix and Detour oh, and man, Later. Sir, and, a lot. Yes, that makes a lot. You met Detour? Uh, oh, no, detour. different detour. Different detour. Okay. I, All right. Yeah. yeah I, I like, heard that podcast and I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, but same reason she likes to go off trip. She just off, kind of wanders <laughs> and then she comes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anywho, yeah. Shout out to our trail family and yeah. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if all you've got is a bivy, a hardback novel, and your leather-bound journal with you. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Yeah. think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.